0: Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom
0: Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So, by now, actually, uh, I suppose it'll be about a week by the time uh, since the last podcast, the one that I'm referring to, came out. Um, But the last... I suppose really important podcast that I uh, recorded would be the message to the LGBT community, and <clears throat> not to put too fine a point on it. There's a considerable amount of risk that comes when you go ahead when you go ahead and you put out something that's uh, that personal. I don't want this podcast to be about me. Whenever I refer to myself, it's to try and illustrate whatever it is that I'm talking about. For that one in particular, because of so many of the misconceptions, um, and more than that, the fact that the only real people who even can get close to fully understanding um, the totality of the situation are either people who have gone through it of which, I will tell you right now, most people who go through it don't have a clue. They know they know what they're going through, but they don't know why. And really exceptional priests. In fact, the only one I've heard talk about it correctly, um, and it's because he barely refers to it, he actually is simply talking about the spiritual goings-on as to what's actually happening, is Father Rippert most of the other priests, when they try to talk about it, it's very difficult for them to really approach it, um, and it's one of the reasons why I trust the word of exorcists as much as I do. It's specifically because their, you know, their priestly vocation, obviously, principally has to do with the holy sacrifice of the mass and confession, and leading, you know, and in the case of pastors, leading, you know, their their flocks and trying to get them to heaven. But exorcists have the additional exposure to the spiritual battlefield, and they're kind of like the um, the long-range surveillance detachments or the—well, spe- not really special forces—you uh, know, like the old OSS, or they're supposed to actually be a little bit kind of like, you know, God's CIA, as it were, for, for the church militant. Um, if only the CIA actually behaved appropriately— Uh, You know, you're supposed to bring back the intel and continue to fight the fight. And exorcists seem to be the only ones who are actually aware or want to be aware of the spiritual aspect of the battle. Um, And so when I look at priests who are also exorcists and they talk about these topics, they usually, and it's funny because they usually don't even talk directly about the topic, they talk about demonic activity. In large part, it's left to the laity to try, you know, it's left to the people who are listening to try and go through it and pick it and and pick it apart and look at it and and see all the mechanisms and try to put them together in application of their own life. And it had been driving me nuts that we have been talking about this topic in the Catholic Church since before I was born and nobody, nobody was putting it together. Hence, the message. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free catholic Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael l'Arcangelae, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli est o praesidium. Imperetili Deus suplegas de precamur, thiu que princeps militae calestis, satram alios, que spiritus malignios que ad Pervagantur in mundo divina virtute in inferno metrule. Amen. Cor Jesu sacratissimum miserere nobis. Matur dolorosa ora pro nobis. Beatus carolus lucedom Austriae ora pro nobis. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti. Amen. Now oh, I forgot a couple of pieces because I actually got because this is actually going to be mostly talking about the diabolical, I was focusing on St. Joseph. Let me remember. Let me go ahead and fix that. Domine ostende patrum tuum et salvi erimus. Ave Maria purissima, immaculatric keptio est. In nomine Patris et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. If you wonder, if you ever wonder why, actually, I use those two uh, as the closeout. And it's, um, Lord, show us your face and we shall be saved and Hail Mary, Most Pure, you are the Immaculate Conception. First, I do have, a, like, I have a particular devotion, obviously—okay, so I'm Catholic, there's devotion to Christ. That goes without saying, obviously. Um, but I do have particular—two uh, particular aspects that I'm—well, three— um, that I principally focus on is His most precious blood, His holy face, and His sacred heart. And then, of course, to the Blessed Virgin Mary, specifically Our Lady of Sorrows and the Immaculate Conception. <clears throat> and these are tied actually to particular battles, um, to particular battles that I've continually fought. First, the Immaculate Conception, I do actually have... It's a little bit more focused than that. Um, I have particular devotion under the, under her title as Our Lady of America. And it's because of the message of purity. Particularly, actually, sexual purity. Um, but specifically, the message. which she was actually calling for, which, again, like so many... <laughs> like, nearly every one of the apparitions we have not answered. But what she was specifically calling for was for the United States of America to carry the banner of purity and to be a, to be a pure army for her. <clears throat> and you look at the state of the United States of America today, and clearly we have not done so. Um, and then, of course, devotion to the holy face of Jesus as a fight against communism um, but even that is kind of more focused to the um, <clears throat> to the fight against what was more specific in Bolshevism, which had to do with the, with the degradation and deconstruction of the nuclear family of traditional marriage, also of sexual purity, but of the allowances of sexual perversions like homosexuality, like transgenderism. A lot of people don't realize in the early part of the Bolshevik Re- Revolution, they did to Russia— what is happening in the United States today. That is exactly what they carried into Russia. They destroyed marriage, they destroyed the the traditional family, they went ahead and promoted homosexuality, they promoted transgenderism, they did all the gender-bending crap that you're seeing in America today. And the reason why we don't know this is because we don't have the internet to actually show every aspect of Bolshevism when it was going on in 1917. But you would know that if you listen to the speeches of one Vladimir Putin, who references all of those things as having happened at the beginning of the Soviet Union, which is why he talks about Russia, and he does not talk about the Soviet Union. Because historically, Russia and the Soviet Union, while there's, while there's a lot of coincidence, um, that's cooperative incidence is what i mean by coincidence why there's why there's a lot of coincidence between the two russia as he sees it is distinctively different from the soviet union which is why you look and you go well he's not exactly a communist and he's not exactly a communist because a communist would allow all of those things that were running rampant in the early in the early 1900s into the 1920s and by 1940 they had gone completely against it they were completely going in the other direction and if you look at 1950s 1960s soviet union they were more traditional and 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 victorian and sort of like the only thing they were missing was christ if you were to compare them to like 18 19th century england or even 19th century America, they were missing Christ, and but the, but like the family life was actually reinstituted by law, because they understood, because by this point they understood that they had completely blown up their economy by disassembling the core unit of society, which is not the individual; it is in fact the family. So even the Soviets managed to back up from that, we. Haven't learned that lesson yet, but that lesson appears to be coming quickly. It also has to do with the fact that, while I don't have any particular proof, um, those devotions—or I should say, while I don't have anything more than anecdotal evidence— Those particular devotions happen to be the greatest aids to me in my fight against the diabolical in my own life. Now, if you haven't figured it out... Well, (laughs) if you haven't figured it out by this point, I more than just believe in spiritual warfare. I have been wounded... And I guess you could say butchered time and time again in my battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I will tell you that the least of my enemies actually is the world. It, that's just the way it is. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It's the first on the list. We always say, you know, we're in the fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. But the least of my enemies is the world because I don't actually care quite so much about the opinion of other people within particularly within particular, well, specific aspects in my life. I absolutely have no care. Um, obviously there's some concessions I give for my position in life. Um, there's some, there are some concessions that I give in that and they are, the, they're exactly that. They're concessions because if it were up to me, I would do things so ho- wholly and meaning entirely um, different, that in all honesty, if I actually did them, I'd probably be cast out as a pariah because I would just be too weird. And I got to be honest with you, I'm kind of okay with that. And that's why I let a lot of it seep in, um, in how I present myself to people. Now, one of the reasons why I don't show my face is because I don't need everybody looking at me. This is Radio Free Catholic. I chose radio because I don't want to be the face. Christ has a face. It's his face that I want to be the face. I don't want my face up there. I don't need people looking to me. That's why I continually say I am a mechanic. I'm a mechanic and I'm a warfighter. I have bloody hands and greasy hands and that's pretty much the sum total of my approach And, and that's it. You can take what I say or leave what I say. I hope that you take the things that I say that are in line with the faith and you discard any kind of idiocy that I managed to slip in there myself because the stupid stuff is definitely me and the smart stuff is definitely God or one of his saints or definitely somebody much better qualified to talk than me. Now, I don't cite a whole lot of sources and I will tell you, actually, um, the message the episode that has marked the message for the LGBT community, um, that is only the third episode in this entire podcast in the years that I've been doing this, in almost 1,500 episodes now that I've scripted from beginning to end. That message was that important. Tried to make sure that everything in there was exactly what needed to be in there. And even in reading the script before I actually recorded the episode, I know I was leaving a lot out because everything that I could have also included in there would have just led to rabbit holes that would have been more distracting than necessary. What is in there is what is essential. And of course, you can always email me and I can get into other further details. We can go down those rabbit holes and I'll be more than happy to do so with anyone who wants to send me an email. Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com Or you can actually just hit the submission on the website at at RadioFreeCatholic.com I get all of those emails. There's no one else who runs this podcast but me. The the thing that I really want to kind of make sure is said um, priests like Father Rippiger are correct. There's not a devil under every rock. There's not, a, there's not a devil hiding in the shadow of every corner. There's not a devil, you know, hiding under the pizza on your, di- on your dining room table. That's not the way things go. Um, however, when you're engaged in spiritual combat, everything is a weapon to be used either by you or against you. Everything. The alarm clock goes off in the morning and you hit the snooze button. Beware. Someone calls into your job and says, you know, and makes a complaint about this, that, or the other. Beware. You're in you're praying and you feel some consolation. Beware. You're praying and you're feeling desolation. Beware. There is not a breath that you can afford to take lightly. And I will tell you this. This is actually a lesson that I learned very recently. And what's wild is I've been told this time and again. I've been told this by good priests on lo- you know, in, in, the, in the homilies and conferences online. I've been told this in the confessional. I've been told this so many times. And I actually had to learn this lesson up front recently, oh, I really can't afford to live slack in any way. You know, I mentioned, I think in one of, I think it was, well, it may not even actually be out yet by the time you hear this, who knows. Um, But I mentioned in a previous podcast, talking about heuristic processes heuristic thought processes, the shortcuts that our brains do to try and make tasks easier, um, you know, faster faster and easier to, to accomplish. The more I consider them, the more I'm beginning to think that those heuristic thought processes are nothing more than temptations by the devil to go ahead and make you take a shortcut that you wouldn't otherwise take. And it might be a shortcut in your prayer life, it might be a shortcut in something that you're doing at work. It might be a shortcut in, you know, how you get home or, or you know, when you sit down and actually help your kids work through a math problem in their homework or whatever. Those heuristic thought processes, I'm beginning to realize, are as dangerous as I assess them at work. Now, my job as an aircraft mechanic is to make sure that the maintenance happens perfectly. And the reason for that is, is that the aircraft has a specific design that must be conformed to, otherwise, for every one of those things that you, yeah, well, we could do this instead. Um, for every one of those those things, you run the risk of actually deviating too far from the engineering plan, and running the risk of endangering the lives of everybody on the aircraft. And so, it is part of my job to not only actual to not only make sure that we get the maintenance done quickly but that it is done precisely so that the the aircraft stays in its optimal condition for as long as possible so that it makes it to the next check so that it continues to be a safe service for the people who are flying in it. And that actually includes the flight crew as well as all of whatever passengers and even for the safe transfer of cargo from one place to another. Every one of those heuristic processes that I find that I have to fight at work I'm beginning to find actually has a parallel. It has a mirror in the spiritual world. And it's boggling my mind because it's crazy how many things have to go right from when you wake up in the morning to when you lay down at night for your life to be perfect. For you to be living your life in a manner that is perfect. Now, we as Catholics have this tendency, we sort of like, okay, yeah, but you can't really try to stomp out all the venial sins. Well, I'll tell you that venial sins are of such an extreme danger, such an extreme danger, that if you're too slack in venial sins, you will fall into mortal sin. It's just a fact. And what is mortal sin? It's the death of your soul. It is the separation of you from the grace of God. It is your damnation should God decide in that moment that he wants to claim you and bring you to your to your particular judgment. You die in a state of mortal sin, you go to hell. We all know this. We all know it. And that's one of the things that I'm I really hope that I can manage to communicate this properly. Because my focus in the, like, I look, I was looking at most of the episodes that I've managed to post, and a lot of them are significantly more personal opinion than I think I was ever ready to actually have. However,. Part of this whole thing wasn't my intention originally. I just kind of wanted to put the news out there and and lay out the battlefield. And I'm, suppo- and I'm supposing on some degree, and I could be mistaken, I mean, I'm only human. <clears throat> this topic, particularly about spiritual warfare, is kind of an update to the battlefield situation. I've gone most of my life not even like knowing I was engaged in some kind of spiritual warfare but having no comp like not even the vaguest comprehension of what that meant. And most of my life I spent on the wrong side of the battlefield. Most of the time I thought I was on the right side of the battlefield, and I was actually on the wrong side of the battlefield. arguably you could say today i'm still kind of on the wrong side of the battlefield because i'm still trying to figure out this figure this whole thing out like we we use these words and we don't comprehend them what does it mean to be holy now i know what the church defines it as and that is actually we run the risk particularly when it comes to heuristic thought processes and this is so i don't mean i i don't want to I don't want to say that the words that we use to describe these things are trite. However, <clears throat> I recently was shown a channel to a YouTuber who I guess the best way to say it is I was utterly appalled at the fact that he was looking at the common things that we, like, and when I say common, I don't, I don't mean like the mundane, but the, but the very, the go-tos that Christians and Catholics fall towards, you know, make sure to stay in prayer, make sure that you're fighting the good fight, make sure that this, that, and the other, like, oh yes, I'm praying, like, he was literally looking at everything that was being told to him as advice, and don't get me wrong, The people who were giving the advice very well probably had no emotional involvement in it, and they were just kind of handing out the cookie-cutter advice. He is probably 100% accurate in that fact. But he derisively referred to as like, well, it's like the little book. that You run through a checklist, and then there's, oh, it's this? I'll give you this advice. And he was looking at it like it was not coming from a place of love, but it was kind of just coming through not really knowing what to say. If you're Catholic, I know it feels like that. The priest may even believe that. But there's a reason why we have these cookie-cutter pieces of information to give to you as advice. You know, it's the reason why I get cookie-cutter pieces of information, and then I actually have to carry that information to the altar in front of the Blessed Sacrament and say, Lord, what does this mean? He gave me this, and I don't know what to do with this because this feels empty. And if we don't even actually take that moment to do that, we're running the risk of act- of rejecting perfectly, not just perfectly good, immaculate advice. Because for some strange reason, some strange reason, because of original sin, let me, let me be more accurate when I'm saying this. I'd almost, for some strange reason, because of original sin, each one of us wants to feel special. The original sin actually largely has to do with pride, has to do with our self-image, has to do with, it, has to do with what it is that we believe that we are. It's the whole point behind sin in the first place. That when you sin, it doesn't matter how venial the sin is, the first part of the sin is pride. Oh, I committed this mortal sin of sloth. Well, what is the mortal sin of sloth? The mortal sin of sloth is the declaration in some way, shape, or form that I don't have to do this because I'm above this. Because surely those rules won't be applied to me. Now, what does that sound like? Most people, when they're committing the mortal sin of sloth, have no idea that this thought process is going in their head. Why? Because heuristic processes give you the shortcut. The shortcut is the alarm goes off. You don't want to get up yet. You hit the snooze button. You roll over. Okay, where's the sin in that? Well, you set the alarm for a reason. There's a purpose behind the alarm. You put the alarm at that time because there were things that you understood that either you needed to do for yourself or that you needed to do for God. Because in most cases, if you're kind of doing this in a more traditional way, then that alarm, you know, your alarm clock before you go to work in the morning is probably set one to two hours ahead of time. Not so that you can spend time in front of the mirror doing your makeup and customizing your hair and making sure that your shirt and your shoes and all that stuff fits perfectly. No. Most of the time, if this is a more traditional thing, you set the alarm clock that early in the morning so you can pray. So, what are you doing in that moment when you hit the snooze button, particularly if that's why you set the alarm that early? You're saying, surely, surely I can pray later. God doesn't need me right now. So, how is that sin of sloth, of Akkadia, not first a sin of pride? And it goes through. The same is true for all of the other for, for the six other sins that are not pride. Wrath, gluttony, lust, all of those sins begin with, I deserve this. Surely God is not going to hold me to that. In the case of anger, it's, I deserve justice. In the case of lust, I deserve love. Wrong use of the word love, but it's almost always, I deserve love. It's the whole pride movement also. It's love is love, right? And I deserve love. Wrong use of the word love. But at least the pride movement, they got the name right. And that is the case for all of the seven deadly sins, including pride. Because... (laughs) I suppose the best way to describe the sin of pride is, yeah, obviously you're starting with the pride, but it's the pride for the sake of you're committing the sin of pride for the sake of the pride. It's almost a twofold. And the same is true for venial sins of all sorts. I can do this better, I can be a better, I, I can be, I am, and therefore, whatever. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of
1: jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow's Furniture
0: is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is a ridiculously difficult thing to fight. I'm listening to the story of this priest who is going through a tremendous amount of despair, who's going through everything, like I know everything that he's going through. And he's seeking out help. And he's not getting the answers from his superiors the way he needs or the way he thinks he needs. And with every sentence that came out of his mouth as he's reading every line of every letter and he's going through the whole testimony and I'm aching. I'm feeling torn apart by the testimony of this priest. Not because I pity him. Not in the way that you would think. I pity him because with everything that he was going through everything that caused him to eventually give up the priesthood was because he couldn't take his eyes off himself long enough to realize that what sounded like platitudes, that was the word I was looking for earlier, what sounded like platitudes were genuine advice. Yes, it was cookie-cutter. Why was it cookie cutter? Because Saint Peter Damien figured out the advice a thousand years ago. Think about that. Everything in the church that seems like it's a cookie cutter response—oh, you should do this, you should do that. Do you know why it's a cookie cutter response? It's because when it was being, when the advice was being given by the Apostle Paul, when the advice was being given, being given by the Apostle John but when the advice was being given by by uh, Bishop Irenaeus or Bishop Polycarp, when the, when the advice was being given by by Catherine of Siena, when the advice was being given by Thomas Aquinas, when the advice was being given by Ignatius of Loyola, it was the same advice from Peter to St. Ignatius To today. Why? Because after 2,000 years, it worked. And all of those holy saints, all of those men and women who managed to fight the good fight and gain the crown, They knew it. St. Catherine of Siena said nothing different from St. Peter Damien, said nothing different from St. Bernard, said nothing different from St. Polycarp, said nothing different from St. John or St. Peter or Christ himself. And after 2,000 years, it sounds like a cookie cutter. And what do we teach in the Catholic Church? What is taught by Holy Mother Church? That when you're given the truth, you must conform yourself to the truth. Which means that when you get that cookie cutter answer for that problem that you feel is so distinct, so personal, it is so much yours, you forget that we have the same human nature. All eight and a half billion people today have the exact same human nature as Cain and Abel and everyone between. It is a fallen human nature that goes all the way back to our first parents and every single person has that. All. And you know that's true because you see biographies and you see the stories of people across the world and throughout history and you go, man, I could totally identify with that. That feels exactly like when Father was talking about this person, it felt like he was talking about me. Now, sometimes that's not, Sometimes people take that in the bad ways. Like, it sounds like you were... It, Father, it sounds like you were talking exactly about what I said to you in the confessional last week. Um, no, actually, that's what 30,000 people have said to me in the confessional over the years that I've been a priest. Is actually the answer. It's, it's because... Every one of us, it really actually does not matter what the sin is. It all comes from the same root. And the same root, because of the sin of our first parents, it is that same button. And that same button leads to a lot of different circuits and a lot of different buttons. But all of the conditions of sin are fulfilled first by the transgression of pride. And who knows this better than anybody? Satan. Satan knows it better than everybody. Why? Because not only was he the cause of the first transgression, at the very moment, let there be light, and all of the angels were created in that first spoken word, he was the cause of that first transgression for all of, for all of the angels who fell with him. And then he also pushed that through with Adam, and has been watching us since, and has seen the mechanism operate again and again and again, and it has expressed itself in at least seven major forms, the seven deadly sins, and has expressed itself in transgression against the same ten laws that were given thousands of years ago, and he's been used and he used it in or, he used it as the tool to put Christ on the cross and he used it as 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 the tool to break apart the church later and he's used it as the as the same tool even though and I say that he's used it obviously there's a little bit of there's some flaw in that and I'm not as, and I'm not being as accurate as I would like to be but the fact is is that if you've been watching humankind developed from Adam to today. There are some go-to's that you get to go to, that you actually get to go there are some buttons that you can go to every single time and every time they're pushed they're going to get most of the same response with it, with very few exceptions. And even if it doesn't get the same response it's going to get some measure of that response, which is why all of the saints considered themselves to be the most heinous sinners because they could recognize the very moment when they were like, "Oh, that really small thing That I thought meant nothing. Was in the same parallel with all of the big things going wrong in the world. It's the same parallel. It's why it's why when (laughs) priest I forgot what priest it was who described it. uh, You know, when nuns confess their sins, it's like being stoned with popcorn. Um, You know, they're throwing the. You know, it's they're not very large sins. But the reason why the nuns all understand it and the reason why they confess it all the way down to the last piece is because they understand on some level whether it's an inte- whether they intellectually understand it or not on some level they understand that it doesn't matter how small the sin is it is the same root our OOT as well as the same root OUR OUTE to every major transgression against God the Father against our fellow man and against ourselves So one of the reasons for the last, for that message to the LGBT community, one of the reasons, and obviously it's not a message for the community, but it's for the, peop- for the people who find themselves being pushed off in that direction. In reality, that's the message for everybody who's wondering, did God create me just to destroy me? Was I created solely for destruction? That was a question I asked myself because for some reason, for some reason, for reasons that I did actually explain in there, but at the time, what I just thought were for some reason. I couldn't get away from those things. I didn't know how to fight them. They were so intense. The battle was so pitched that the only response that my rational mind could really cook up was despair. It goes to show exactly how irrational I was being. But I cannot tell you how many times in the course of my life that I looked up at God and I was like, did you make me just to destroy me? Do you understand what the level of an accusation that is? Like, that's huge. I didn't even realize it at the time. I actually, in all honesty, when I was thinking about it as I was putting together that, that message, I didn't actually wasn't thinking about it until just right now. Do you understand how big of an accusation that is? Now, I answered it in the message where it's obviously not, because if he really didn't want you, he just wouldn't have made you in the first place. It's a child's answer, to be sure. But do you understand how large the accusation is to ask God, did you just make me for destruction? That is accusing God, who is love, who is infinite love, who is perfect love, who is charity, mercy, justice in its ultimate perfection. That is accusing God of hatred. And that is accusing God of hatred from before you were born. Which means that he didn't make you out of love, he actually made you out of contempt. Now, Now that I've drawn that out, I think you can understand the magnitude of an accusation like that. I say all of that to actually illustrate how far off. But it's also kind of as a warning. To ask God such a question, to field that question in your mind, means that everything has been destroyed to a level that you have nothing to do but commit the sin of despair. And for those of you who don't know, the sin of despair is actually the only unforgivable sin because there's no room for forgiveness. It's not even that God doesn't want to forgive you of the sin. It's that when you get to that point, you don't have any room for his forgiveness. It's just not like it's trying to fit a gallon of water into a thimble. You just can't do it. It has nothing to do with any defect in God. It has everything to do with how far away you've allowed yourself to get. And everything in church teaching Everything in church church teaching is about us conforming ourselves to him. It's one of the reasons why this whole synod on synodality garbage is garbage. Because now it appears that people in the highest levels of the church have decided that we're going to conform God to us. I'm sorry, I can't fit the whole world in a thimble. You're not going to shove all of planet Earth into a thimble. And that's what you would have to manage to be able to do. Like, you'd have to have that capacity first before you can even look at God and say, yeah, we're going to put you in this box. If you can fit the whole planet into a thimble, then you might try that. But you're never going to fit... I mean, you'd have to... What's the actual solution? You build a thimble large enough to hold the planet. But then it's not a thimble anymore. By definition, it's not a thimble anymore. (sighs) The nice thing is... And in, by nice, I mean like the medieval, middle English version of the word nice, the perfect thing. It doesn't sound right to say the perfect thing is. It, it, it just That sentence just doesn't sound to me, correct to me. So the nice thing is, as people look at what's going on with the synod and synodality, whether or not we can express the fact that what it is that the people coming out of the synod and the documents that are coming out of the Vatican as a result of the synod we're recognizing that what they are expressing currently are just impossible. I would sooner be able to swallow a car, like a full-sized automobile, than I would be able to conform myself to the garbage that's coming out right now. And I know I'm not alone in that fact because everybody's talking about You know the world is celebrating, oh, the church came out and said that transgender people can be baptized and that and that they can be godparents and l g b t blah 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 and we all know that's impossible that what's coming that's what that what the message is that's being said about the church, and most of it is in fact slander because even even Pope Francis has not said these things. Although the Cardinals would like to make it look like he said those things, and while he is acting like those things are actually true, the fact is, is they're not, and it doesn't matter how much you fake it, this stuff is not going to make it. It just isn't. It's not possible. And more and more people are recognizing that. And it's been said by many Catholic podcasters, at least it's an increasing number, that the best thing to ever happen to the traditional movement was this current pontificate. Because they've gone so far afield that they can, it can now no longer actually be ignored. All of the people who were, who were on board with some of the stuff that was going on and, you know, they didn't feel comfortable about the Assisi thing and they didn't feel comfortable about this or that or the other, they can now look and say, no, absolutely not. And, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to revisit some of that other stuff we weren't particularly comfortable with, and we're going to go ahead and throw that out in the trash as well. But we're not throwing Holy Mother Church out. We're not throwing the whole, the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith out. We're not throwing out sacred tradition. We're, in fact, going to go dig those things up. We're going to figure out what it is that they hid under the rocks, what they, what they hid out into the field. We're going to go find the pearls of great price. And we're going to bring those back, and we're going to show people this is what the faith is. Now, the problem is we don't have any leadership. because i mean let's be real in the catholic church you have to you have to have the sacramental form of leadership for it to work it has to be we're not going to be able to stand up against this unless we have a bishop or a cardinal or both or a bunch an entire conference of bishops that would be great wouldn't it be nice to have the usccb actually preach orthodoxy that'd be great <clears throat> But we're not going to have that revival I can't believe I used that word. Okay, well, anyway. We're not going to have that without some of the hierarchy actually getting on board. The fact is, is that without shepherds we could be great sheep. We could be faithful sheep, loyal sheep. But the fact is, I don't know if you've seen a sheep in action. They're Dumb. They are ridiculously dumb. I legitimately watched a video of a boy pulling a sheep out of a ditch, and as soon as the sheep was back on his own feet, he he ran, jumped away, and three jumps later was right back in the ditch. And that is a perfect, perfect illustration of humanity. I know it's a perfect illustration of me, For sure. No, I did this. Oh, yes, I'm free. I'm out. I hated the experience, but I'm out. Jump, jump, swap. Oh, crap. I'm right there again. How did this happen? Well, that's easy, dummy. You were so happy, you just took off running, and you weren't looking where you were going, and ploop, right back in the ditch. Congratulations. Like, oh, I've got this now. Ploop. Right back in the ditch. Oh, it's great. Ploop. Right back in the ditch. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, this is generally what it kind of feels like. It's like I get a couple of days of elation. Yes, we're doing great. Everything's wonderful. I'm The podcast is going great. Job is going great. Floop. Right back in the ditch. Almost always because of something I did. And if it wasn't something directly I did, it's probably some groundwork I laid weeks before that caused that exact same thing to just pop up and right back in the ditch. There's been very few times in my life where it was somebody else entirely who actually did the setup and I just fell into the trap. we can see the things that are going on in the church and in the world and it's funny because i just got done watching a video I'm like i'm not even actually done with it i had to pause it for a few minutes i was hoping that getting on the microphone would get rid of this headache that i have and for now it seems to have worked <clears throat> we really have to understand one the platitudes they're not platitudes They sound like platitudes because people always say it all the time. Well, they always say it all the time because it's always true. And what you got to do is figure out why this platitude sounds so fake when you know it's true. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked and go, man, of course I know that's true, but I mean, seriously, how does that help? Well, if it's true, you better figure out how. Take that platitude... Get in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And granted, I don't recommend you be as obnoxious as I am when I'm actually making these prayers. I'm sure my angel, if my angel had human emotions, he'd have kicked the crap out of me. I'm not even joking. Like, he'd have just showed up and said are you serious and just beat me senseless thankfully he's an angel thankfully he's my angel so i'm not recommending that you're as flippant or glib or whatever the word is but in its at its essence at its core you sit in front of the blessed sacrament you say okay I have this advice. I was told to do this. What does this mean? What is this even? How does this apply? Because if it sounds trite, and it sounds fake, and it sounds cookie cutter, it's not... It may be that the person giving you the advice has like a Rolodex of all of the common things to say. But you better remember, there's a reason why they're the common things to say. It's because whats what they're telling you has proven to be the fact, the thing that you need in 2023, in 1993, in 1863, in 1543, in 1123, in 952. I bet you thought I was going to end that in a three again, didn't you? In 400, in 100, in 33. It's been true at least that long. It sounds cookie-cutter because it's been true for 2,000 years. It sounds cookie-cutter because sometimes it's been true for 5,000 years. It sounds cookie-cutter because it was probably true in the garden. Garden of Eden. and if it was true in the garden of eden and it was true in the temple of solomon and it was true at the fight of at the, you know at the battle of gideon and it was true you know gideon's battle and it was true you know during the time of habakkuk and malachi and judas Maccabeus, and the go- and, and during the time of the gospels and during the, and during the time of the the early church and during the time of the medieval church and during the time of the church during the renaissance what a lot man the renaissance what a Gaudy, awful name. <clears throat> and it was true during the time of the Industrial Revolution, and it's true today. And it's true with you. And yes, you feel like your situation is different because yes, it is you, and it is whoever it is that you're dealing with, and it is whatever the circumstance is, be it money or sex or you know fame or whatever, whatever the circumstance is, and it feels like it's true, or it feels like it's been just sort of handed out as kind of cookie-cutter. It's because it's true for you. It's true for me. It's true for Father. It's true for the Bishop. It's true. It's true for Doris. For Dorothy Day. It's true for Bishop. For Venerable Bishop Sheen. It was true for for Saint Pius the Tenth. It was true for Saint Padre Pio. It was true for Saint Ignatius of Loyola. It was true for Father Isaac Jogues. It was true for Saint Caterita Caqueta. I really honestly didn't think I was going to be able to get through her name without stumbling on it. Wow. Glory to God. Thank you. Um, It was true for St. Peter Damien and St. John John Chrysostom and St. John of God and St. Teresa of Avila and St. Catherine of Siena. It was always true. Always. Everywhere. Even for you. And to think... And this is one of the slickest tricks that the devil pulls in that moment when you're feeling depressed and you're feeling cornered and you're feeling despair. The trick that the devil pulls is go, is he whispers in your ear, yeah, but it's you. You're different. And that is a lie. You're not. So whether your fatal sin is arrogance, or your fatal sin is same-sex attraction, or your fatal sin is pornography, or your fatal sin is drugs, or your fatal sin is just being a schmuck, whether it's food or alcohol, whether it's attentiveness, or self-discipline, or scrupulosity, whatever your fatal sin is, You're not different. There are two people in all of human history who were absolutely different. One was the Blessed Mother, conceived without sin, unstained by original sin. And the other one was Christ himself. and for every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and for every Mary, Jane, and Anna, otherwise, that were not previously identified as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His Mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, for everybody else, it's not different. You are unique in your physical composition. You're unique in the way that you speak. You're unique in a myriad of other things, but in the manner of sin, it is just a basic set of rules that applies to every stinking one of us. You're not different. And neither am I. And it's that first understanding that allows you to take what sounds like a platitude And make it work. Well, pray about it. Well, yeah, you should be praying about it. Are you asking the right questions when you pray about it? How does this... How does pray about it apply to me? Am I asking the right questions? Am I asking the right people? Are you talking to your guardian angel? Do you understand... That you need to talk to your guardian angel daily, if not hourly, if not moment to moment. Oh, it sounds a little extreme. Well, I know from personal experience it is that extreme. I take my attention off my guardian angel for three hours, and all of a sudden I'm all of a sudden I'm in this chaos. That I how did I get here? My angel's looking at me. Go, don't look at me. You didn't before. He's not that glib with me, but that's the way it feels. (laughs) And no, I don't know. I would love to actually just have the conversation with him. It probably would open him up with him popping me in the mouth for being such a schmuck. But I would love to have the actual conversation with him. Every moment, you have to be aware. It's not... It is not that there's a devil under every rock. There doesn't have to be. A devil can spend a quarter of a tenth of a second in your presence. Whisper one quick thought and be gone. Be miles away by the, t- by the time you realize that you're already falling. Assuming you realize that you're already falling before you actually fall. It's a blip. The devil doesn't have to be under every rock. They can move fast enough they can literally just kind of pass through. You look around, you're like, what was that? They already got up and went. Your angel was like, well... You're supposed to be tested that way, which is the other part, too. The test doesn't end. It doesn't end until you're dead. So whether you're stepping outside to smoke a cigar, or you're sitting down for a glass of brandy, or you're getting ready to kneel in front of the Blessed Sacrament, or you're about to sit down with your family and have a meal the test doesn't end from when the alarm clock first chimes to wake you up in the morning to when you finally lay your head down to rest the test doesn't end I know it sounds overwhelming well I couldn't possibly be well that's true most of us are not even being are not even being present for the test more than an hour a day The vast majority of people who claim to be Catholic are not even present for the test more than 15 minutes a day, which is the time that you're supposed to be praying the rosary. And it is that big. It is that large in scope. And if you're not striving for the personal improvement, if you're not trying, Desperately. I would even argue if you don't feel constantly overwhelmed by the by the scope of the task, you might not be doing it right. I hope that's not the case in all honesty, but I ah, oof. Gotta be present for the test. And that means every moment. Every moment that you're awake. From just before you kneel down for the morning offering, please, God, be doing the morning offering. To just after you get up from the, from the evening offering, please, God, please be doing, I, I beg that you're doing the evening offering. And everything in between. Everything in between. The test is always going on. Those things that stick in your mind through the course of the day, and you're wondering, why did I do that? That's a good thing. There are also a thousand other things that you're not thinking about that maybe you messed up a bit. It's not to make you be scrupulous. If you're scrupulous, you like, legitimately, all of those things that are sticking in your mind, you got to chill. <laughs> you really do. You just got to chill. But the test is happening for you, too. (sighs) Easy solutions. Ask your guardian angel for help. Things start getting tense, ask him for help. Things get really relaxed, ask him for help. Things seem to be going great, ask him for help. Things seem to be going horribly, ask him for help. I also, actually, while reading the... uh, the rules for spiritual discernment I got reminded of one that I have applied to my temporal life time and time again but I have never ever ever thought of applying it to my spiritual life in times of consolation when everything's going good make yourself ready for when it's not make yourself ready In times of consolation, for those times of desolation that are approaching. It happens in cycles. Some more extreme than others. But it does happen to all of us. There are times of consolation, and there are times of desolation. And many of us are good at preparing. Oh yeah, I'm going to make sure I'm going to have some extra food set aside and I'm going to have some extra gasoline set aside or diesel fuel set aside. I'm going to have some extra heating oil and some extra this and extra that. I'm going to make sure to have all of these things taken care of in my house. Make sure make sure the bills are paid and that the kids have the clothes and blah, 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 blah and we're going to be ready with this. And if the government pops, the fool, pops off and acts a fool, I'm going to have these bullets and these guns and I'm going to have all this and all that. And we do all of that in our temporal lives and we totally bone out in remembering... Those exact same things happen spiritually. And if we're not actually preparing for that desolation, oh, Lord, have mercy on us all because the despair, when we forget that he's always there, that he's actually closer to us during despair, closer to us when we're desolate, closer to us when we're in pain, when we forget that he's actually closer to us in those times, man what a sin to be there so close to the cross that you could literally just look up and kiss our Lord on the cheek and to have the audacity to think that you're alone my goodness anyway I hope this is beneficial. I don't know how, like, legitimately. Like, I get a little bit of feedback here and there, and that's great. But I really do hope that this is actually beneficial to people's souls. The battle is getting different. And it's my concerted belief that these particular things are necessary for us to really, really understand how we're going to make it through when things get real. Because it does seem like that's where we're going. It does seem like that's about to be what happens. And I have to agree with Father Ripperger on this one. It's going to be our fault. It's going to be because we failed to be holy. We really fail to understand what the breadth and scope of the mission is. So I hope this helps. As with all things, pray for the Church, pray for your nation, and pray for us in Catholic social media so that we don't go completely bonkers and off the edge. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.